man, I would be absolutely trembling at this moment because I listened to Phil Pye last week uh, and his message as he launched us uh, on this series called A City on a Hill. He was outstanding. And if anybody didn't, wasn't here, I'd encourage you to listen to the podcast. I listened to it and started to gulp um, because he was so good. And I thought, well, how am I going to follow that? Because he's given me the title of city planning. He's took the, the analogy. We've took, taken the analogy of a city on a hill. And the key verse is found in Matthew um, chapter 5 and verse 14. And it reads, you are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. And we are believing, that although we're in a market town, we want to constantly have a city mindset regarding the things of God. We don't want to have a small mindset. We want to have a city mindset with regards to the thoughts and the visions and the purposes of God that rest over us here in Arena Church, both in Ilkeston and and in Mansfield, and across this M1 corridor. And part of city life, there's many things that happen. And Phil, uh, over the next few weeks, is going to take the bulk of the ministry. He's going to speak into a number of things. But this morning, it's my joy to be able to teach. So it's going to be slightly different in terms of my style. To teach into this whole thought of city planning. And how does that relate to us here in the context of a church? You'll notice on the stage that we have a set of plants. They're actually of our Mansfield building. When we purchased them, we got an architect to go and have a look at the building and see the levels. And we, we got detailed plans of how this, how this works. Everything that's, that's built is built, if it's of any worth, is built to a plan. There's a plan. You get an architect. You get a surveyor. You just detail something out so you know what you're working towards. And with regards to cities, cities haven't, the old medieval cities have just formed, but certainly over the 60s there were a number of new towns that were developed. The only time that I've ever lived for any long uh, period of time in a city was when we lived in Milton Keynes. They actually call it a new town, but really it has city status. And I was just impacted by the city of Milton Keynes in the natural. So in the natural, there was a group of people who decided that they were going to take some land and they were going to develop a huge conurbation around that area. This was back in 1967. The vision was, in Milton Keynes, was to create a population of 250,000 people out of two or three villages. And they wanted to create a regional center This regional centre would be full of greenery. It would be full of roundabouts also, if anybody's ever been to Milton Keynes. It'd be full of concrete cows. That's another thing it's famous for as well. But it would have entertainment. It would have arts. It would have business. It would have all the intersection roads. It was built on a grid system, like in the States, horizontal and vertical grid system. It was very very well thought out and very well planned. The city centre was not like the the town centres that we know, but actually was in a mall. And they wanted that mall to become a regional shopping centre that would serve the areas. It's interesting to note that 40 years on, I was reading a report around Milton Keynes. And they said actually that in 2012, it had an advancing economy. 
And it was the first outside of the M1 that recovered with regard, sorry, outside of the M25 that recovered in property prices. It's an incredible city in many ways. And it was developed by a very clear, well thought out plan, city planners that thought every detail through to create this new city. It's much like what we have the advantage of doing here and the responsibility of doing here in terms of church. Because during the course of my message today, I want to talk about how things happen and why things happen here in Arena Church. But I was thinking about planning. See, good planning is the key to victory and success. Good planning. I was impacted because as I was traveling to the uh, Assemblies of God conference in May, I was in the car, I was alone, and I'd, put a, I'd, I'd, I'd received a, a CD from the Willow Creek Association. Easter had gone, but it was of Bill Hybels and him speaking over their Easter service, so I thought, I'll listen to this. As I was listening to it, I was completely wrecked, even to the point of needing to pull over, because I was really overcome by the, the challenge which he laid out. Um, the message that he preached, it wasn't just his content, it was his delivery also. And I wanted to get saved again. Has anybody ever been, been like that? Where you've been in a message and you just wish, you, you, you just wanted to get saved again. You just wanted to give your life to Jesus again. It was one of those moments. I was overcome by, by what I was hearing and by what I was seeing. And I said to the Lord, Lord, if only I could preach like that. If only the content and the delivery could be like that. Now you have to understand me, I'm not wanting to be a clone of him, but he was so good. And immediately the Lord spoke back into my heart and said, you could do Christian if you planned and prepared like he did. Did you get that? You could do, Christian, if you planned and prepared like he did. And I took, was taken back to a message that I heard him speak about, how he takes between 10 and 15 hours to craft one message. Plans out his messages. Knows exactly what he wants to say under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to bring a message to the people. Good planning is the key to victory And success. You see the thing is planning has not always been a strong point of mine. Put your hands up if you're bold enough. If if you're a great planner, keep your hands down. But if you're not great on planning, just give me a wave. There's a few people. It's just okay. I'm amongst good friends this this morning. It's not always been a strong point point of mine. You see, I, I, I think I'm pretty spontaneous. I think I'm pretty lively. I think you know that. I'm, I'm quite free thinking in terms of just out the box thinking. And I've always thought about planning as being full of bureaucracy, forms, meetings, red tape. And in the context of church, I've even been worse because I've thought this will suck the Holy Spirit out of what we want to do. And so in some ways, over years past, I've not been overly given to good planning. 
But as I cited, great spontaneous leaders and church pastors, as I began to investigate revivals and moves of God under closer investigation, all, without exception, were diligent in their planning. Why would you say that, Christians? I can see some of you are saying because of this and that. Because at the heart of them, revival didn't just come. There were people who were planning and praying. There were people who were dreaming of what could be. Great planning is the key to victory and success. And as a result of that investigation, this has led me over recent years to be so much more disciplined and careful in planning, in strategizing, and then executing. I'll come on to that in a moment. Because there's a lot of people who talk about what they're going to do. Well, when are they actually going to go and do what they're talking about they're going to go and do? Mark Twain said this, meticulous planning, listen to me, will enable everything a man does to appear spontaneous. Meticulous planet. There's a verse of scripture, and it's found in Proverbs and chapter 20, it'll be on the screen. We're going to read it together from the message version, and it says this Leaders who know their business and care keep a sharp eye out for the shoddy and the cheap. Just keep that on the screen for a moment. Leaders who know their business and care keep a sharp eye out for the shoddy and the cheap. Unfortunately, the UK church in recent years or over many years has not shone brightly as a whole. There have been exceptions to that, but as a whole we really haven't shone brightly because this church, which Jesus declared was a city on a hill that cannot be hidden has in fact been hidden. This church, UK church, this European church, in recent years has not influenced, has not impacted the world as it was intended. We've lost something over a hundred years that I believe by God's grace, churches are arising and we are going to recapture again and we are going to believe again for God to do something. Amazing across the Europe and across this continent and across this nation. I was in Hungary, as you know, last weekend. And as I went from town to town, seeing that town, 50,000, 30,000, 80,000, with no evangelical witness in the town. The church has not been vibrant and been light. You see, the church has been known... For it's lifeless, cheap, and shoddy conduct and behavior. Listen to me, if you're here for the first time, or if you're in church for the first time, you've had a bad experience of church, I want to apologize, because I'm very sorry. I was laughing with Anne in the office this, this week, I understand it, maybe it was the time that it was off, but it was just completely wrong because we were just talking about as a young boy, I'd be only eight or nine. 
and they were showing me videos of the second coming of Christ, the Antichrist and all that. And I don't want to open all that up. Scared me to death as an eight-year-old, nine-year-old. I don't know if I ever confess that to my mum and dad. Literally, I was frightened. I was frightened. It scared me to death. What was all that about? Somebody would have been in those meetings. What was all that about? They wouldn't have had an understanding. For so many years, the church has been irrelevant. It's been cheap. It's been shoddy. It's been predictable. But Jesus declares, the city on a hill cannot be hidden. And we need to plan. We need to plan well. We need to understand the times. The men of Issachar, the Bible says, understood the times in which they lived. And they planned accordingly. You see, what we need to do is get a vision. I'm not about to talk about vision, but I do just want to bring your attention to a verse of Scripture. Because God speaks to a people. And in Habakkuk in chapter 2 and verse 2, very familiar with those visionaries around the room. And he says this, write down the vision, the revelation, and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it, and it will certainly come and will not delay. God is wanting to bring a vision to every church. God is wanting to bring a purpose to every church that is around this area and around the world. But one thing I do know is this. God always puts a plan to the vision. He always puts a plan to the vision. Nudge your neighbor and says, God always puts a plan to the vision. Always puts a plan to a vision. Always. I can prove it in scripture. Let's not take too long here. But Noah was called by God. And it was a horrible vision in many ways because God was really tired of the immorality and the evilness and the sinfulness of the world. You say, Christian, do you believe those stories? I actually do, yeah, I do. And history tells, records some of those stories as well. And the plan was, by God, that God was saying, I want you to build a boat and it's going to be for you and your family and for animals and I want them to come in Two by two, and you know the story, even if you don't know the Bible very well. And we think that that just happened, but it didn't because it needed to be a specific kind of boat that would actually stand the test when the waters from heaven broke. Let me tell you, brainy people thought the Titanic was unsinkable. Hello? This was God's design. And God told Noah, if you read about it in Genesis chapter 7, he says, build it out of teak wood. Build it 450 foot long, 75 foot wide, 45 foot high. Pitch it inside. The windows need to be 18 inch from the top. And you need to build it on three decks. How about that for specific planning and requirements? Do you need any more evidence? Let's look at another couple of instances. We look at Moses and the tabernacle. How God's vision was to be amongst the people. And he wanted to do it. So he said, build me a tent. Build me a place where I will dwell and I will live amongst you. We see that Solomon. David wanted to build a temple. But he was his son Solomon. 
who was called to build it. And this was going to house the presence of God. But they didn't just think, well, we'll just throw a tent together and just knock a few nails and it won't just a Bob the Builder moment, you know. I'll just have a go. You know, budget and scarper kind of, you know, attitude. It wasn't cheap, it wasn't shoddy. But we see there very specific specifications, sizes, dimensions, gold, arches, fabrics, jewels. It's all there in the scripture. There's a plan. You may say, well, where does that relate to me? Tents and tabernacles and temples. Let me bring it closer to home. God's plan of salvation was that he would choose a virgin by the name of Mary. And the Holy Spirit would impregnate her. She would carry God. And this baby that she gives birth to will be the saviour of the world. What a plan. He could have dropped Jesus down however he wanted to do it. But he had a specific plan that he wanted to undertake. I've already mentioned it this morning. There's a group of people who have need feeding. And he uses a boy with five loaves and two fishes. And he feeds approximately 15,000 people. But how was he going to get this gospel into all the world? He uses a once hater of Christians, a murderer by the name of Saul, who was soon to become Paul. He has an encounter with the living God on the Damascus Road. They're learning about that in kids' church, if you're wondering what your kids are going to be learning this morning. What a story that is. And this once vile man, angry man, murderous man, became an evangelist, more than an evangelist, a herald that carried this good news message far and wide. What I'm showing you here is God uses both the intricate and the simple to accomplish his plans. You might not feel like you're intricate, gold and jewels, but you might be like the little boy who has five loaves and two fishes. See, don't tell me your vision. Tell me your plan. Tell me your plan. This church has been built over years, since 1929 on a vision. But over that years it's developed a plan. Because the world has changed. And it continues to change. And we need to continue to change to reach the world. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because if we stand still, this church will stand still. We've got to develop a plan. A compelling plan. A wholly inspired plan. That's going to take us further into all that God has for us. And I don't get it around churches. I have to be honest. Because some churches just don't plan. And they just settle for the cheap and the shoddy. And yet, you speak to those individuals. They plan for their weddings. They plan for the job interview. They plan for that house build. They plan for that new business startup. They plan for the birth of their child. They plan for that birthday party or that celebration party. They plan for their retirement. Do I need to go on? And yet in church, zero planning. 
Is it any wonder that this church has been hidden for such a long time and far too long? As I said, what, the, what happens there is we become cheap and shoddy and predictable. And if I can say this, ultimately devoid of the presence of God. I don't say this, please, with any sense of arrogance or conceitedness. I say it very humbly. A city on a hill, arena church, plans carefully, prayerfully, faithfully, excitedly, and expectantly. Our future, well, what are we planning for? Milton Keynes, they wanted to become a regional center. And 40 years on, they became just that. Well, we're planning for expansion and growth. So we have to lay a strategic plan of how that's going to happen with new ministries and outreaches and more people. That is why we run things like First Steps. That is why we see the launch of small groups. That is why we see different things happening amongst youth and children. That is why we pioneered Unleashed once a month with our kids program. We want to see leadership, emergence and development. We want to see younger guys, different guys, men, women, boys and girls. I'm thrilled that this coming month the, the, in the kids' church, they're releasing some of the younger, younger kids to preach. Come on. They're, they're going to have a go. They're going to be guided, but they're going to have a go. In the youth program, there's guys who were preaching, who were getting up there and having a go. And then there's guys who were taking more responsibility of leading teams. Because it's not just about here, but leading. I love it. We're planning for community influence and impact, community involvement. Multi-lights spread across the M1 and beyond. Under the banner of making Lisa communities livable again. That's what we're planning for. You may say, well, that's great, Christian, but what about the here and now? I'm glad you ask. Because whilst we're looking at the future, we also recognize what has to be done in a week. Anybody would like to express what their week looks like? Some of you ladies. I would want to get involved in some of your worlds, what you have to handle and juggle and manage. Lots of different things, particularly if you're working. I don't want to bring embarrassment to it, but Debbie, I sometimes wonder how, Debbie, you managed to do all that you need to do, and Tracy with five children when she had them, and responsibilities, and working, and all the rest of it. We applaud you guys, don't we, for all that you do. Really. Really. So what does the week look like for here? Because this is why I get so irritated by the comment, well, you guys only work one day a week. Really? Really? I know it's tongue-in-cheek, but it can get a little bit irritating. Because actually our week and the staff week consists of lots of work, lots of prayer. This is all overshadowed by prayer and asking God to help us and lead us and guide us. You need to know that. What, take, what does it take to plan this? Well, we just throw it together and it just happens. Well, no, it doesn't because there's teas and coffees, there's PA, there's lighting, there's kids, there's hospitality, there's crash, there's car park, there's tidy up, there's pack up, there's prayer teams, there's worship, there's preaching, there's teaching, there's breaking of bread, there's announcements, there's media, there's website, there's welcoming and youth services. Do I need to go on? 
That's what it takes to plan. And it doesn't just happen. Well, finances just roll in. Okay. I wish they did. I really wish they did. But finances raising money. Buildings. These all cost money. We haven't got... Yeah, you're right, Seven Trent. You'll get it at some point. Eon. Yeah, at some point. We have to pay all those utilities like you do in your house. And by the way, we also have to be charity compliant. Finances exist in new ministries. These guys have so much vision. They're saying, what about this? What about that? And I'm thinking, they all think that I'm all like this. And sometimes I think, oh God, it's a great idea. How are we going to do it? <laughs> then we look at connecting. Oh, poor Liz. It just happens, doesn't it? You just throw it together. Well, no, it doesn't with small groups. Because they've had to train, they've had to gather, they've had to inspire. They've had to inspire the groups. Great to hear just chatting with Sean and Debbie about, you know, just some of the things that you're here on with. And we've got Des and Sue here. Great things that are happening in our small group program. Leaders training, care, pastoral support, visitation, counseling. All this happens during our week. And then what about serving? Charity shops, mother and toddlers, conferencing, acorns, food bank, furniture store, the houses, Woolworths Project. Why are we doing the Woolworths Project? We've got enough on, haven't we, guys? But we're going to press ahead. Mission Support International. Do I need to go on further? This all happens in our week. I will go on further, actually, Chris, because I think it's worthy of going on further. Because actually, fundraising, administration, legals, human resource, health and safety, staff management, salaries, pensions, all, I was going to say in a day's work, but all in a week's work. Guys, this is what happens. This is the church that you're part of. And we're not talking about maintaining. We're talking about growing. We're not just talking about holding. We're talking about having to deal with what we're going to do, but then pushing things forward. Would we like to do more? Absolutely. You bet your bottom dollar we'd like to do more. And we're not a betting church, by the way. So I'll take that back. (laughs) We'd like to do more. But all these things have to be done under the vision of To go and grow and to love and serve our community. Someone once said this, planning is bringing the future into the present so that you can do something about it now. Everything that God does and designs is in order. As I draw it to a close, I want you to just turn your attention to Acts in chapter 6. Because some of you here still maybe not convinced because you're saying, I love the spontaneous, I love the exciting, I love the adventurous spirit and I love all that. And I want the Holy Spirit led life. Yet so do we and that's what we endeavor to bring. But at the heart of those things is a plan. Let me draw your attention to Acts chapter 6. Just turn with me if you will. From verse 1. And it says there, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic... Don't worry about that word, Hellenistic. It's just another word for Greek. Okay, Greek Jews, among them complained against their Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. See, what was happening, I'll just stay there. What was happening was the, 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 the church was, was increasing. It says the church was increasing, the disciples were increasing. And there was a group of widows. See, food bank was there. In the first century. Hello? 
there were a group of people who were being overlooked. And it wasn't right. And they brought this challenge to the, the apostles and said, Lord, you've got to do something about this because it's not right. So they had to really strategize and think this through carefully because they knew that they could not themselves give themselves completely to the feeding themselves, the administration, because then that would take away from the prayer and the studying of God's word and the advancement of the gospel because that's what God had told them to do. So they needed to draw another team in, another layer in, who would actually be involved in the distribution of food amongst these people. So they decided that they would gather some faith-filled people, full of the Holy Spirit, kind of guys, and they appointed them. As a result of them being appointed, now both the Greek and the Hebrew Jews were now fed, encouraged, and supported, whilst the apostles were also able to advance with the gospel to the world. But I just want you to look at verse 7. As a result of careful planning and strategizing, it says this. As a result of the murmuring and the challenges, now they've solved all that, the word of God spread, and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. I want you to note in verse 1, it says there that the, the disciples were increasing. But now a plan has been put in place. Verse 7, what does it say? Now they are increasing rapidly. Yes, the early church was birthed in Holy Spirit power, as is this church. We desire to live under the Holy Spirit's anointing and unction. But we also need to recognize the need to plan. And they were not devoid of plans. These group of apostles planned. And as a result of it, the word of God spread. And the number of disciples increased rapidly. You see, we've heard this before. Failing to plan is planning to fail. And as we make our plans... Proverbs 16 verse 3 says this, commit our work to the Lord and believe our plans will be established. As I draw it to a close, because time can't, there's a challenge I guess to us here who are part of Arena Church and you're Christian people, if you call this home, the first challenge to you is this. Or even if you're a Christian believer and you don't belong to this church, that's great. But I guess as a result of this message about city planning, individually to ground it, we need to plan better. If some of you haven't developed a plan, you need to make a plan. You need to have a plan about your life and what you want to do and where you want to go. But if I can say this a word of caution, make it God's plan. Some people are planning for all kinds of things. I've heard all kinds of stories where this has happened. Even this week, I was talking to um, someone, and they were saying how their um, father was looking to retire at a particular age and wanted to just get what he needed to get put in place with regards to retirement and whatever. And as he got it all in place, 
And as he retired, he then had a heart attack. Wasn't able to enjoy any of that. Now I know, I'm being careful because I know there's some guys who are at retirement age and we just pray God's blessing on you in that. But all I'm saying is, particularly for my age, you know, we can be planning for these things and planning for these things. But we miss God's plan. We miss God's plan. Make it God's plan. Put Jesus at the center of your planning. Give him everything. Give him everything. So if you're part of Arena Church, I'd encourage you to do that. Make a plan. Put God at the center. And then begin to run with it with all your might. Believe for God to bless it. Believe for God to prosper it. But what about for those who aren't Christians? You might have a form of religiousness. You've been around church life and you know how things run. You know what breaking the bread's all about. You know what the Bible's all about in a part. But you've got no real relationship with Jesus. I want to speak to you for a moment because there are plans set aside for you. You see, we don't just cease to exist once we die. We don't. If you believe that, okay. But we don't just cease to exist. There's a life to come beyond this life. And there is an offer. This is what I spoke about when God's plan of salvation was not just for now, but for eternity, was through Jesus. God sent Jesus into the world so that we can receive forgiveness of sins. And when our time comes, we can be found in the presence of God because we've surrendered our lives wholeheartedly. We've made Him not just Savior, but also Lord. There are many people who don't make plans for eternity. But what about eternity? Do you know where you're going once you die? Have you got that assurance? Have you really got that assurance that you belong to Jesus? Have you given Him everything? Have you confessed your sins? Have you asked Him into your life? Have you given him control? This is what I'm talking about this morning. And if the answer is no, then there's a simple opportunity and invitation for you to respond to Jesus by simply praying a prayer that says, Jesus, come into my life. I make you Lord. I make you Savior. I want that assurance that I belong to you. And not just for heaven, but also in this life. And we live our lives as unto God, not for ourselves. That's why I say we make it God's plan, not just our plan. And so this morning, I would just ask us if we could, just in these closing moments, just bow our heads for a moment. We're nearly done. We're just going to give of our offering in a moment and give you opportunity to put your guest cards in to the containers. Well on track in terms of time. Those who are part of Arena Church this morning, you may say, Christian, I really didn't know what happened at Arena Church. But I want to commit myself to it. Or it may be that you say, Christian, this morning, I've not really had a plan for my life. But I want the Lord to begin to help me. That I live my life with purpose. That's you this morning. As I pray, I just want you to respond to the Lord. Father, I just pray across this congregation 